Have you wondered about living elsewhere in your retirement? Well, we have almost daily. No, it's not a simple decision, especially when two people are involved. Hi, this is Gil and Jean of Retire There, a podcast about retirement destinations. We live in Brooklyn, New York, having grown up and worked in this area of the country. We're hoping to relocate when we're both retired. For us, it's the weather, the chaos, the noise, and the yearning to be near nature and not within three feet of human beings. <laughs> That's right. In February 2020, we embarked on our journey to find that special place. We spent a week in Winter Park, Florida, which is beautiful, but something said it wasn't for us. As we were planning for the next trip, the pandemic arrived. Jean then gave birth. I gave birth? To this podcast. With so many baby boomers retiring, many must be relocating. Why not connect with and learn from them? Here's a little background about us. I'm Asian, born in Brazil, and grew up in Flatbush, Brooklyn. I'm an engineer turned attorney turned podcaster. I recently retired from a university career practicing higher education law. I love the academic environment, but it was time to do something else. I no longer have to set an alarm, drive in BQE traffic, or work with people who don't always share the same principles. Oh, did I just say that? <laughs> you bet I did. I traded all that in to binge crime dramas into the wee hours just a little bit to develop the podcast, to volunteer, practice metalsmithing, tackle our possessions. No regrets so far, Jane. I'm not Asian. And as Gil mentioned, I'm not retired. I'm just plain tired. Born and raised in Long Island, New York, a place I always wanted to leave. I'm a law librarian working in a court who loves his job, but we're retired by the time we select our ideal location. We will be speaking to folks from across the street to across the globe who have moved to their dream venues and more. So please stay tuned. And remember, if you know anyone who has moved anywhere for retirement, let us know. Thank you. Greetings. Today, Jean and I chat with Bill Morrow and Marcus Lawrence, who retired to Salguero da Lomba, Portugal, <laughs> from the Poconos in Pennsylvania. I have to say, this is our third Portugal show. And by now, you would think I would say I would know a little more Portuguese other than no fala portuguese because I was <laughs> born in Ribeiro de Preto of Brazil, outside Sao Paulo. But I'm useless and I'm getting old. So all I can speak is Cantonese at this point. All right. So the guys live in the central part of Portugal, about 2.5 hours northeast of Lisbon. And now geography lesson number one. Portugal is made up of 20 regions. Leiria comprises 1,000 plus cities, which is one of the regions. And Salgueiro da Lamba, and I'm not sure I should be rolling that R, is the 875th city in the region of Leira of Portugal. Now, I know I have missed some levels. Approximately 32% of Portuguese people can speak and understand English, while 24% can speak and understand French. So, Jean, I don't think you and I will ever be living in Portugal. No. Because no, you're part do. French and you can't even pronounce your last name properly, <laughs> which is Prudhomme, proud man. Oh, I pronounce it properly. No, you don't. You say Prudhomme. <laughs> okay. So a little bit about our guests. Bill Morrow was born and raised in Hornell, New York. 
He attended Eastern University in St. David's, Pennsylvania. He worked in corporate America, and his last job was in middle management for an insurance company. Marcus Lawrence was born and raised in Piscataway, New Jersey, home of Rutgers, and joined the U.S. Air Force. He also worked in corporate America and mostly in sales. After being together for eight years, Bill and Marcus married in 2013 in Phillipsburg, New Jersey, during a protest against Pennsylvania's ban on same-sex marriage. The ban was lifted a year later. Some protests do work. The couple retired early, sold all their possessions, and moved to Portugal. With only six suitcases in 2019, they sold their A-frame home in the Pocono Mountains and bought a farm in a very small mountaintop village. It's their dream hold called Casa de Lamba. They both love outdoor activities such as kayak, riding their ATVs in the mountains, going to the beach, and their interests include antiques and architecture and exploring Portugal. Marcus is an avid reader and Bill likes to garden. During the pandemic, Bill started a Facebook group called Bears Retiring in Europe. The group has quickly grown to over 3,000 members. Gil? So guys, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Gene and I are excited to have you share your story with us. We covered the Algarve and Lisbon, and I think this is a very special treat because we're not going to talk about city life. Well, city life with skyscrapers anyway. And your lives sound, the word that comes to my mind is charming. Looking at your Instagram page and all the streets and and the artwork, who's in charge of that artwork? It's gorgeous. Those pictures are just, they exude coziness, simplicity, and beauty. So we're very happy and we can't wait to have you start. But before we begin, today's currency exchange, we're in mid-February of 2022. One euro equals 113 US dollars. 1.13. Oh, right. (laughs) Boy, that would be a lot (laughs) of money. Okay. One euro equals 1.13 US dollars. And as of today, one kilometer equals 0.62 miles, because I don't know if you guys will start talking (laughs) metrics, but it throws me off. Jean shared your story from international living with me, which explained that Spain was your first choice. So we'd like to hear what happened and how did you end up in this lovely village of Salgueiro da Lamba? Do we roll the R's in Portuguese? I don't remember. Sometimes. That's what makes the language so interesting because you never really know. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Interesting, huh? All right, guys. Welcome to the show. Tell us Thank how. You. Thanks Thank for you. having us. Thanks for yeah. having us. So how did we end up in Salgueiro de Lomba? So it's a, a, a long story that I'll make short for you. So oh, we want to um, hear it. We want to hear the Spain and all that. Bill, why don't you talk about how we were going to go to Spain first, and then I'll talk about how we got to Salgueiro de Lomba. Okay. We have very good friends in the Poconos that were neighbors of ours that would travel to Europe every year on vacation. They had invited us to go to Spain with them. I had never been to Europe before. Marcus was in the service, as you mentioned, and he had been to Germany and a few other places early on in his life. So we decided to go to Barcelona with our friends, Mary and Joe, and we had 12 days that were just incredible. Transformative. You know, it really opened my eyes up to European way of living, architecture, the culture, and I'm a little bit of an architecture history buff, so... Being 
in Barcelona is just an amazing experience mm -hmm. from an architectural oh, perspective yeah. oh, yeah, and food. Mm -hmm. Needless to say, that was an incredible vacation. And we came home 12 days later saying, we're going to retire in Barcelona, but it probably won't be for three to five years mm. or more. As it turned out, I, uh, I took a, a buyout, a package from a co the company I was working for. Oh, nice. I worked as a consultant for a year. And then when that first job ended, we had some decisions to make about where we're going to move from the Poconos because we bought this house thinking we would retire there. Okay. Mm -hmm. But we were still working at the time. And then when I left my company, Marcus was in sales and, you know, we just thought it doesn't make sense for one of us to keep working. Mm -hmm. Like that's not any fun. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. we were either going to move to a big city for me to maintain the same level of employment for me, or we would talk about retiring early. One year to the day that we were in Barcelona, we actually ended up in Portugal. Yeah, it was kind of a quick decision. We just decided after my consulting job ended that now might be the right time. We did a lot of research and I'll let Marcus take over from there. Yeah, so we had, we had thought Barcelona. So we um, told our friends we're quitting our jobs and moving to Spain. We had done a little bit of research at that point. So we said, oh, it's not that hard to move to Spain. Here it is. Here's the requirements. And then when we got down to doing it, what we found is that to move to Spain as an American, you have to carry your own health insurance. You cannot use in general, right? So I'm going to speak in general because there's a lot of details, but you cannot use the Spanish public health system as an American immigrant. Mm -hmm. uh, so we decide, oh, we'll get, we'll get insurance. So we called around. All of a sudden, what we found is that the only insurance we qualified for because of some pre-existing conditions was international health insurance that was really expensive and would have been almost uh, the same cost as had we stayed in the United States, oh, which put wow. the kibosh on everything. So sure. we're like, geez, we told all of our friends, we, you know, <laughs> mentally, we've now quit our jobs, even though I haven't told my boss yet, like mentally, I've quit my job. <laughs> so what are we going to do? And that's when we said, well, let's, let's look at plan B, plan C, plan D, which we didn't have at that point. <laughs> so we started to create plan B. And what we did was just started doing research from scratch. And we said, okay, maybe it's not Spain, but where is it going to be? Because really we decided that for our own mental health, like we wanted to get out of the United States. Mm. Every time you start searching, if you haven't done this yet, right? If you start searching for international retirement, Portugal comes to the top of every list. Yeah. So we're like, well, why why is Portugal at the top of every list? I don't really get it. But then when you find out that, oh, you can use the national health system when you come there as an American. Oh, the tax wow. system treats you very well. Oh, they speak English. And 32%, I think you mentioned in the beginning, it's higher than that. That's probably 32% they're fluent. Uh, I mean, a yeah. lot of people speak some, at least some English here. And so like all of these things come to the top. And so we said, well, okay, why not Portugal? Now, mind you, at this point, we had never been to Portugal. Oh, yeah. We watched every YouTube video every ever created about how to move to Portugal <laughs> and why is it the right thing to do? And why is it the wrong yeah. thing to do? So we right. did a lot of, you know, we went to the University of YouTube and got our doctorates in Portugal. <laughs> That's basically how we ended up here. I mean, I, yeah, we... um. 
We had planned our, our annual vacation was to go to Provincetown, Cape Cod <laughs> in July. Not Portugal. So in July of 2019, we had a week's vacation planned to go there. And when we told our friends, Mary and Joe, that we went to Barcelona with, um, that we were going to move to Portugal, they, said, they sat us down and said, it might be a good idea for you to go there first. <laughs> <laughs> Always the voice of reason, Mary and Joe. They were very good. <laughs> wow. Yeah. wow. And we said, you know what? We hate to give up our last Provincetown vacation, Aww. but it's probably a good idea. Yeah. yeah. So we went yeah. to Lisbon for a week. So in July of 2019, we spent a week in Lisbon. We opened up a bank account. We secured an apartment. Wow. It was very good forethought on their part to tell us to do that. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. by the time we went to our visa appointment in Newark, we had already told them that we set up a bank account there. We had an apartment waiting for us. At that point, we'd collected all the documents. We had already sold our house. Yeah. So, oh my Lord. There was no going back. By yeah. the time yeah. we applied for the visa, it was like there was, there really was no chance of us going back. Yeah, it's, it was, it, we were headed to Portugal come hell or high water. Wow, it's yeah. funny that you're getting advice from Mary and Joseph. It's yes, very, it's very, <laughs> very spiritual. <laughs> oh, I should can't have been, wait to That should have been a sign for you guys. Wait a minute, yeah. you guys, you guys got an apartment in Lisbon, which is yeah. center of well, center of a lot of activities, right? Yeah, and you were was the apartment in in city center or okay. Yes. So yeah. then it was in the Arroyos neighborhood. Okay. Which is very trendy right now. Yeah, it's been cited the last couple of years as one of the most trendy neighborhoods in ah. Portugal and mm. of Europe, actually. Yeah. Wow. It's quite a melting pot of people yeah. mm-hmm. from all over the place. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And was it expensive, the apartment? Well, by Pennsylvania standards, it was. I mean, <laughs> you know, we're moving out of the Poconos. So yeah, it was <laughs> it was expensive. Okay. Our apartment was not quite double the cost of our so the apartment was 55 square meters which is like just under 600 square feet okay Mm -hmm. okay and it had a nice terrace Mm -hmm. yeah it was i think we bought it for two hundred eighty-seven thousand euros which would have been like three hundred and forty yeah for living in a capital city in europe right i guess that's not really that bad Mm-hmm. But it was probably a little more than we had anticipated on spending on mm-hmm. an apartment. Yeah. So wait, wait um, was that a one bedroom or a studio or an open uh, floor, or whatever? I so, call it a one and a half bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It had a little study that technically would have been a bedroom for a child, but it was very <clears throat> okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. European standards that yes, you know. So, yeah. Okay. Very got it. And you sold your house in the Poconos, an A-frame home. It was mm-hmm. pre-pandemic, right? So you didn't mm-hmm. make as much as you would have if, if it were during. Right, right. right. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're hearing all kinds of stories now that real estate in the Poconos has gone crazy. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because yes. it's far enough away, but close enough to New exactly. Jersey or yep. Philadelphia. Yeah. yeah, or New York. Where people yeah. can commute one or two days if they need to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Properties yeah. are being yeah. sold pretty quickly there now. Man, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Okay, so yeah. how did you get to where you are now? Oh, boy. Uh, well. <laughs> you sold the place in Lisbon. But yeah. You know what so, I, find, I find amazing that you were going to go to P-Town instead of Portugal. <laughs> then you go to Lisbon and you buy a place instead of renting. You buy a place. You guys are yeah, damn. Yeah. So, all right. So let's just preface this with if I was giving somebody else advice, I would tell them to rent, not buy. Right. So we, 
but us, like for us, we like to own where we live. Yeah, I agree. I don't know. You, know, I mean, you like, didn't even a, know about it. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> well, it's the, the plan was to live in a small apartment that didn't require a lot of maintenance mm-hmm. and travel. Sure. Mm-hmm. We were literally 20 minutes on the metro to the Lisbon airport. Mm-hmm. Wow. We were going to see Europe. That was right. the plan. That was the oh, plan. Right. And uh, having a small uh, apartment would afford yep. us the ability to do that right. because there wasn't any maintenance. We could just yep. close the door and, right. and was, leave for a month if we wanted. Right. It was a lock and go situation. And the reason why we bought, I think, was because we kept hearing stories about real estate going up 5%, 10% every year in the city uh-huh. of Lisbon. And rents keep going up and up and mm-hmm. up. Right. Mm-hmm. And we also heard a lot of horror stories about people renting and being taken advantage of by oh, landlords. interesting. You know, not returning your de- security deposit. Okay, or, okay. And when you're in a foreign country, having to deal with those situations. Oh, it's a horror. A little challenging. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, just a little. Not that buying a house in a foreign country is a challenging <laughs> either. Because we got stories about that too. Yeah, we could talk for an hour about that experience. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, but we bought because we, we like to own where we live. Yeah. And we bought this little apartment, like you said, and we were going to travel and it was going to be, you know, our dream of traveling Europe with our little pied terre in, mm. you know, in Lisbon. And, <laughs> mm-hmm. and that was great. And and then the pandemic, like we got our paperwork done because it takes a couple months to get settled with all of your documentation. Oh, and yeah. Everything, oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. So we get there October 1st, like January. We're like, yeah, let's go to let's go to someplace else. Right. So we started doing a little traveling in January within Portugal. Um, A friend of ours that we had met took us uh, to Madrid, you know, so we did a little traveling around Porto, whatever. And then, and then like the pandemic hit. So now we're stuck in an apartment that's 600 square feet. (laughs) With no hobbies or activities because (laughs) our our hobbies travel. travel. So so we have nothing to do. I mean, Bill even did a macrame project. That's how bored we were. Like it was... Like we were bored. <laughs> My goodness. So yeah. So for like three months, we're in a foreign country. There's no, we don't speak the language, even though most people speak English, but we don't speak the language. So you're watching the news, trying to figure out what's going on with COVID in your neighborhood. You know, we find out that one of the hostels in the area had over a hundred cases in the building, you know, so wow. you just, then you start panicking. Like those are the people that go to the same grocery store. We do. <laughs> those are the same people that walk down oh, the street. That, you know, so right, you're in a city, right. it's congested and we're country people. Like this is new to us. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. this crowd thing is. It was a strange. great experience. Yeah. From, uh, um, neither one of us had lived in a major city before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ah. yeah. You know, to walk out your front door and have access to hundreds of restaurants and oh, our know. little hangout bar was a, a half a block away. Yeah. Yeah. We met so many people there. There was a sure. cafe across the street where mm-hmm. we met a lot of local Portuguese people. And mm-hmm. there's a couple we've become really good friends with, Antonio and Maria. It was just a great experience. It was. Yeah. I wouldn't yeah. trade it for the world. That 20 months in Lisbon was fantastic. What changed for us is when we decided after the pandemic, the first lockdown, there was some freedom going on and people could go out and move around and do their thing. But we were not ready to go on public transit. Mm-hmm. Right. And at that point, we had no car. Mm-hmm. And we were doing just fine without one. 
Right. Because we're in the middle of a city. You know, if you do want to go anywhere, you have to walk at that point because we're not using public transit. So we bought a car and that changed everything. Um, When we bought a car, what we found is that we could travel to all the little villages in Portugal. We could Uh, travel to all the back country and we just fell in love with the area that we're in now and decided like we need to get out of the city. This pandemic thing is lasting way longer than we thought it would. And we're just, we're like, we tried the city and we loved it, but it's, it's time. Yeah. And so can you can you tell us about the car for a moment? I don't mean to interrupt um, oh, yeah. because we've never had anyone uh, so far talk about purchasing a car internationally. Mm-hmm. How, how did you go about doing that? I mean, are there like car dealerships around? You go in and you haggle? Yeah, I mean, um, so for us, we relied very heavily on creating relationships here, taking the advice from friendships that we've created as mm-hmm. well. So locals, a good friend of ours, Ricardo said he would go to the dealership with us. Nice. You know, he was very familiar with the experience. And it is not too dissimilar to the experience of buying a car in the U.S. Mm -hmm. Buying a house is another story. Yeah. So we went to the dealership. We test drove a couple of cars. They actually have, like in the U.S., demonstrator cars that you can Mm -hmm. buy. Dealer demos. Ah. Okay. We bought a a Citroën. And... (gasps) Nice. I love that car. It's well, French. it's, it's kind of like, like a Chevrolet. It's yeah, oh, it's yeah, right. yeah, right. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. I want, I want, I want pictures later. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's because it was a dealer demo, and it was the end of that model. They changed the model the next year. Right. We got a really good price. Mm-hmm. And there's something about buying the dealer demo that you don't pay the same amount of tax as you do on right. a brand new car. Right. The tax nice. rate is different on a used car as opposed to a new car. And the oh, dealer demo okay. comes as a used hmm. car. The taxes can be very high on buying a new car. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the gas is really expensive. Yeah. Right? What is it now? It's like 174 per liter, which equates to uh, it's about- like 750 a gallon. Wow. Oh. Wow. Yeah, in dollars. In dollars, it's like 750 a gallon. Yeah, I paid 349. So we wanted a fuel fuel efficient mm-hmm. car and you know. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Got it. I would say probably 95% of the cars here are standard, not oh. automatic. Yeah, standard transmissions. So yeah. if you're not used to driving a standard, that's something you need to get yeah. used to. Luckily, yeah. we both knew how to drive a standard. Yeah, because you're in the country. It was, <laughs> the car buying experience was really, I, I, I'm just going to say it was pleasant because we, you mentioned negotiation. It's different here than in the U.S. in that there's not much negotiation. Like a lot of new car purchases and things are done through appointment. So you don't just walk into, like we walked into the dealership. There was no like, hey, can we help you? Because I used to sell cars, right? So I'll be the uh, person who said yeah, I worked yeah, Honda. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a different experience in Europe than in the US, there's no like heavy sales pressure. Like honestly, our salesman did not seem to care whether we bought a car or not. He was just not impressed. Oh man. That is an important factor. Yeah. The yeah. culture here about so many things is really, really different. Right. And that's one really good example. Yeah. Okay. The culture okay. here, they're not pressuring in sales. The guy was like, this is what we have. Do you want it? Do you not? <laughs> yeah, we like this one. Well, can we get it for a better price? Mm, you know, they took a couple hundred off, but like, that was it. It's done. Uh, you know, like I asked knew. for more. I was, I was using all my skills. And <laughs> it, was not, it was not working. So I was like, yeah. Okay, this guy doesn't it. know Marcus used to sell cars. So no. He doesn't know what it's in for. Right. <laughs> and then funny side story. We wanted to get a trunk liner, mm-hmm. a, like a rubber trunk liner yeah, sure. for the yeah, back yeah. of the, mm-hmm. the car. Cause we thought, you know, we're going to travel around. We might want to 
pack the car up and go. I sent an email to the salesperson saying we'd like to, to purchase the trunk liner when we pick up the car. And so he responded back saying, oh, um, no problem. It's an offerent. Uh, well, it translates because he translated it in English when he typed it. And he said, it's my offer to you. It's and he, he said the price of the item and it was, I don't know, however much money he said, and that's my offer to you. So we're like, well, what does that even mean? Are like you you're offering, offering it for us to buy or like, like <laughs> what does that mean? And then our Portuguese friend, thank God, they, they looked at it and said, no, he's, he's giving it to you as a gift. So the, the wow. word offer in Portuguese means gift, not offer Portuguese. like it does right. in the United right. States. It's right. a different, oh, that was like, so nice. So that yeah, was nice. And that's and this is your first lesson in Google Translate does not always work. Like it's not yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. not the same. Yeah. Okay. 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 So let's move to the house. Mm. So the pandemic is there. There's nothing to do. Wait, before that, was it difficult selling your apartment? Oh, in, yeah. In, in Lisbon? Lisbon. Was it what was difficult? Oh, we had the best realtor. Our realtor is one of our good friends. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> He's the one that helped us find the apartment. You know, real estate is fairly hot in Lisbon. Our apartment had been newly remodeled, which helped a lot. Mm-hmm. I think he sold it within three months. Yeah, which here is fast. Like really? okay. properties oh. usually take a long time here. The real estate market's very different. It's right. very, very different. Things stay on the market for six months on average in Lisbon. And we wow. were sold in three months. But the, so wow. that's fast. Yeah. Okay, okay. And you couldn't look for somewhere else until you sold it, right? Because your money was tied up. Well, we were looking. (laughs) We were looking. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. you can't buy anything. Right, you can't buy anything. Yeah. Okay, then what happened? So how did we find the house, I think was your question? Yes, yes. Yeah. So so you decided that the city was... Not for you. you. you, Not for you. You got the car. You got a a taste of what was outside, right? Mm -hmm. And and what? Then they made the decision like, oh, I think we want to live in the country. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we lived in the Poconos, so right. people are You know, it's funny, I don't consider the Poconos. But the Poconos... To me, is like, because it's so close, I it's, guess. It's right? the country, but it's not the country. I mean, there are strip malls all over the place. There, you know. <laughs> Were you farming? Okay, well, so for some perspective, we lived further out than Pocono, Mount Pocono. Like, oh, we were further okay, west. Okay, okay. We were further, yeah. yeah. We were yeah. on the edge, the western edge of the Poconos. So it was more country by us than you might think. Okay, We lived... It. 10 miles outside of Jim Thorpe. Oh, okay. And, okay. Got it. Got, got it. it. Yeah. Our mailing address was Jim Thorpe. We were on the very outer edge of Jim Thorpe. Right. Up a, up a mountain, which the top is of where mountain. we are now, at the yeah. top okay. of a mountain. Oh, yeah. wow. So people make fun, like we're, they think we're recreating our lives in Pennsylvania <laughs> here in, in Portugal. <laughs> which we kind of are. Which I think yeah. Yeah, there's some truth to, actually. Yeah. But anyway, back to your question. While we were sitting at home during the second quarantine, and at that point, we had just had enough. Mm-hmm. Like, our marriage survived one quarantine. We weren't sure it was going to survive the second. <laughs> just saying. You're approaching your 10th anniversary. Okay. <laughs> so I started looking at properties online using Idealista, which is a really good website or mm-hmm. app if you want to download it on your phone or mm-hmm. tablet. That application aggregates properties in Portugal, Spain, and Italy. What we did was we started looking at all of these properties online, and then we would drop a pin on Google Maps if there was a property that we wanted to to go see or drive by. Mm -hmm. So we ended up with like, I don't know, a dozen pins on Google Maps. And what we would do is go in the car, 
go out for a two hour drive into the country and drive by as many properties as we could could then make a decision. Is this something that we'd like to make an appointment to see or does it not even look like right. we thought it was going to look like online? Right. That part know? of the process is the same as the U.S. You do a lot of drive-bys first before you bother your yeah. agent. You know, at least that's how we do it. So we okay. drive around, see is the neighborhood right, is the view right, is does it make sense to look further? Right. So we were on our way back from viewing property in a little town called Mortagua. We noticed that there was a pin close by on the map, and it was in this little village called Salgueiro de Lomba. The way that it was advertised didn't seem like something we wanted to buy, but we thought, you know what, let's just stop and see what the property looks like. Mm -hmm. So we pulled up in the car and there was a gentleman outside and said, hey, is our property set for sale in the village? He said, oh, yeah, it's around the corner. And But mind you, we try to ask him in Portuguese, right? Because we're in Portugal, so we try our best Portuguese <laughs> oh, wow. for a house for sale. And he's like, yeah, I'm English. He goes, yeah, it's around the corner, you know, yeah, so. So we met, the gentleman that lived here had a gardener. We met him. He said, oh, yeah, let me go and see if he uh, would like to speak with you. And so we said, okay. And he said, oh, just give him five minutes. He'll be ready. Meanwhile, we walked around the outside of the property. We saw the the bio pool that he had installed. The rest of the little village has about four or five other completely remodeled homes that are so incredibly quaint architecturally significant. They're just beautiful schist stone homes. Mm -hmm. So he invited us in and we've probably purchased, I don't know, maybe three or four homes together. And outside of that, each of us had owned homes. So, you know, when you buy a property and you walk in the front door and you get that feeling, yeah, yeah, yeah. that was the feeling that we got within three seconds of setting foot inside the front door. Right. Despite the fact that the owner was a little bit of a curmudgeon. So we bought the house, like, despite the owner. I mean, it was, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a, a challenging that experience so that, you know, might be suitable for another conversation. Yeah, that's over a glass of wine and whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So can you yeah. talk a bit about the cost of these homes or, you know, average prices? Yeah. So we purchased our home and I know you called it a farm. I wouldn't call it a farm by U.S. standards. No. In Portugal, they have they call their home farms uh, quintas, and a small one is called a quintal. Okay, this might be considered a quintal because right. it oh, okay. has just short of an acre of property, and it's got fruit oh, trees right. and you know olive trees and right. You know, oh, wow. yeah. uh, nice. we have a tangerine tree. Yeah, and there's lemons and oranges. <laughs> and yeah, there. it's kind of cool from yeah. that perspective. Yeah, yeah. Wow, wow. It's about, including the guest house, 1,400 square feet? And then like 15, it's 140 square meters, so like 1,500 square feet. Oh, it's like ours. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And okay. we paid 165. Right. 165,000 wow. euros. Euro. Wow, nice. With a view and a pool. That's amazing. Right. The house needs a little bit of updating. It has had some deferred maintenance. Mm-hmm. So it did need some work. But how many bedrooms? Place. Mm -hmm. How many bedrooms? bedrooms? There's one big master bedroom and two small rooms. Mm. But because of the way the house is laid out, Mm -hmm. we decided to use the master bedroom as like a media room. Okay. Mm -hmm. We're sitting right now in one of the smaller rooms that we use as an office. Mm -hmm. Okay. And the other small room barely holds a king size bed. Yeah. That's where we decided to make our bedroom. (laughs) Yeah. So. uh, (laughs) Yeah. 
So, so you walk in and it's... <laughs> yes. I was going to so say, because we have a king size and the room is small. It's, it's not really for a king, but you walk in and like, but we made it our bedroom, obviously. And you, there's like just enough to walk around. To yeah, get yeah. On. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> that's what we have. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what we have. So same okay. thing. There's okay. no furniture in the room other okay. than the bed. And, okay. yeah, it's a, it actually and, worked out pretty good. And did you have to like have it inspected? So what's that like? No, that's a whole nother. Oh, no. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Buying a property here is very different. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So just from a process standpoint, right? Some major differences between buying a property in the U.S. versus here. Here, when you make an offer and the offer is accepted, that is binding. Right. So there's no like, oh, I'm going to put a deposit and then we're going to do an inspection. And if something goes wrong, then I can back out. None of that. So when you make an offer, right, the price is listed. When you make an offer, if the person says yes, that's basically binding after the paperwork signed. You shake hands and then they you sign your deal. Right. Like what would be the actual initial deal in the U.S. that Mm -hmm. you give a thousand dollar deposit on or whatever. Mm -hmm. Right. When you sign that you're done. Like that's, that's the contract. Oh, wow. There is no space for inspections after you do the deal. So if you want to do an inspection, you can certainly do one, but that doesn't exist here. There's no home inspectors. There's none of that. You can hire an engineer or a, um, a, uh, a contractor to come to the house with yeah, you yeah. and give you some ideas, but there's no home inspections per se. Right. right? Okay. And that's just the culture here. Like if you tell somebody I want to come through with my contractor, they'll be like, well, yeah, sure. But the house is still for sale. Like until the deal is signed, like the house is still for sale. Mm. Yeah. It's just a very different process than the United okay. States. Mortgages are different. There's uh, different laws in place for mortgages where there's age limits on a mortgage. Like we're, let's just assume you're both 50 and the bank has a limit of 70 for mortgages, the age limit of 70. That means you can only take a 20 year mortgage. Oh, so there's no, right. It's very different than the United States. It's very, very different. There's insurance (laughs) involved. Yeah. So we learned a lot during the purchase of our apartment and our real estate agent, like Bill said, leveraging your relationships, our agent had become a friend and he really helped us here, even though he didn't get paid to show us this house because the house was a for sale by owner. Uh, And so they don't uh, split commissions here. Even if it wasn't a for sale by owner, if it was listed, like our agent wouldn't get paid by the other agent if we wanted, you know, we would have to pay him separately if we wanted uh, to. So it's a whole big. There's no real buying agents. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's no buyer's agents. Exactly. Yeah. They're starting to like the big shops here, like Remax and Century 21 are starting to have a culture where they're offer to be a buyer agent for a fee because they don't know if they're going to get paid by the other agents. Sure, sure, sure. It's a different process. But but some real estate agencies are starting to share commissions. Yes. But I would say it's the minority. Yeah, okay. it's the minority. Okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah. That's sort of the way it works here in Brooklyn because it's like the wild, wild west here with real estate. The seller seller's um, realtor does not want to share a commission. And many times they sort of refuse to, even though they're supposed to. But anyway, go on. I'm sorry. Yeah. So we looked at the house. It was full. The guy had lived here 20 years and it was full of stuff. Mm. And I mean, full of stuff. So it's, you know, it's not like we could tear apart things to do an inspection. So we, but we had bought a couple of houses and we noticed like, okay, the roof leaks, like we know it needs a new roof. We knew it needed work. The gardens, there was a lot of deferred maintenance, a lot of rotten wood on the outside. So like we knew it was going to need some, some TLC, 
So we, we put that into our offer, you know, and then we negotiated the price back and forth, you know, signed the paperwork and paperwork takes a long time here. And we had given him some extra time because he wanted to stay in the house a little bit longer before he moved back to England. He was elderly oh. and ill. Mm-hmm. Oh. So he was arranging for his life to be moved back to England uh, to move all of his stuff with him. And that takes a long time for anybody, yeah. let alone sure, sure. you know somebody mm-hmm. in their 80s who's on their second bout of cancer. So oh it was one of those things where we let him stay a little bit longer the, and the paperwork took a lot longer than we would have liked. Um, some things are still even up in the air eight months later. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. just, but that's normal here. Things like okay. that happen. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you just have to be prepared for the fact that things run very differently. If you're in a different country, like you don't know what you don't know. That's yeah, the, right, right. The you biggest don't know. thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he didn't have family with him in the house. It was just himself. No, um, his son lived in England and um, mm. he had an interesting life. He moved here 25 years ago, came across this little development that was mostly at the time ruins. Mm-hmm. Oh. So it had been abandoned and he bought one house at a time and remodeled, I think, four of them oh. and wow. turned this into like a little schist village Disneyland. Yeah. <laughs> so it's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, it's really, really, really charming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and okay. it's, yeah. So, so anyway, I've, I've his, his photos, family, yeah. um, he had caretakers. He had, oh, um, he had somebody okay. living in the guest house and helping him. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. So he had caretakers, but no family. Okay. So you rented somewhere, right? Between, because you sold your place. Right across you the to get street. Out. Yeah. We were able to rent across the street. <laughs> what was that? A, a regular apartment or a house or? Uh, another house that he had built. Yeah. What he did was he he bought these ruins. He would renovate them and sell them to other English people. So mm-hmm. most of our neighbors are from England, right? Wow. They're colony homes for the English people. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. so nice. Wow. Okay. So the neighbor across the street, she lives in England and she comes a few times a year. And when she found out that we were buying the house across the street from her, she's like, "Hey, you know, you can rent my place if you'd like for as long as you need." Mm-hmm. Oh, so convenient. Yeah. 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 It worked out. So okay. we rented her. It's a little smaller house mm-hmm. for like 400 euros a month. Yeah. Oh, wow. Great. Yeah. That yeah. was great. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. It really it worked out because we were here to kind of watch the process of him moving out and yeah. learn a little bit at, about the house nice. through time with the maintenance people that we got to speak to. So right. it was it was a good process. Nice. Yeah, good Very process. nice. Mm-hmm. And so was there any major work that you needed once you moved in? Was structurally <laughs> sound? Yes. Or... Okay. <laughs> yes. Just curious. Tell us the difference between. Um, yeah. Tell us the difference. Be- between renovating a house in Portugal and renovating a house in the U.S. Oh, well, well, I would say that it's similar to the Poconos, actually, because. It's hard to find a good contractor in the Poconos that isn't already booked for six months. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of people that'll say, oh, I'll come by whenever. And, you know, sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. It's kind of similar here because of where we live, I think. But I think our biggest sticker shock was, while we knew that the house needed a new roof, we were budgeting 10 to 15,000 euros. We're really looking at 25 (gasps) or more. Yeah. Oh my goodness. What kind of So the the pandemic, well, but the pandemic has tripled the prices of all materials here stuff that used to be really cheap like wood and tiles or whatever everything is just more money because of supply chain issues oh man so yeah Yeah. and finding good qualified people is another difficulty yeah Mm -hmm. so it's a tile roof yeah i was just gonna say it's a clay tile okay okay so you had that done so that that made a dent 
Well, it's not done yet. It's not done yet. Oh, we're oh, still oh, getting oh. estimates. Yeah, we're we're still hoping to shave down that twenty five thousand a little bit. Okay. Yeah. How long have you been in the house? Since the end of the last day of October. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So not that yeah. long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the audience can't see, but the room you're in looks really nice. I love those blue doors and the walls look all new, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's, yeah, antique doors and mm-hmm. really cool ceilings that um, have interesting yeah. cove molding. Yeah. Exposed stone around all of the windows. Yeah. Okay. The lintels. Okay. Yeah, it's really charming. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. But it comes with a fair amount of maintenance. Yeah, okay. like issues. any old house. Right? Yeah. The house is 130 years old, we think, oh. according to the neighbor. Okay. So it's got okay. Some, you know, okay. Yeah, like any old house. Let's talk about amenities and, you know, the costs surrounding that. You have your utilities. That's coming in from, I guess, the main city, right? Mm-hmm. Can you talk about that a bit? Yeah, so our costs are probably a little bit different than most because of the pool. You pay for water here, and to keep the water or the the pool filled with water costs money. Right. And then to run the filter also requires more electricity than most people would pay for as well. Right. Okay. So how big is this pool? It's pretty big. It's a kidney-shaped pool, so it's hard to say. It's like nine feet deep, I think. Oh, um, yeah. Wow. It's pretty yeah. big. Wow. It's you know, I wouldn't big. have and expected it's... that from the photos of this like little house with all these flowers around, and then you've got this nine-foot deep pool. <laughs> okay, yeah, cool. Yeah, it's a bio pool, so there's no chemicals involved. It's oh, So there's lots of plantings wow. around the pool that, Ooh, that filter out the bad stuff, right? So oh, nice. the end result is, is that the pool is... I mean, it's big. It's big enough. I mean, it's got to be at least like 40 feet wow. in and one it, direction and 20 feet, like 20 by 40 or something yeah. like oh, that. Oh, nice. Uh, you know, so is that typical for that area? Is it typical? No. A lot? Oh, okay. Okay. So no, not. it's it's a bigger pool than yeah, most people would have. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of unusual. It was one of the selling points. I yeah, I'll bet. Saw. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So utilities, we figure probably about 80 euros a month. Oh, that's just electricity. Electricity okay. yeah. for water, we figured about fifty euros. Car insurance, about a little over four hundred a year. Not bad. Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Some things are more expensive here. Some things are less. Like it, and electricity is expensive. Mm-hmm. Gas is expensive, but insurance is way less. So mm, nice. We do cook with gas. We don't have city gas. We have to have propane tanks delivered. Ah. And so we figured that's about 50 euros a month, but property tax is about 200 euros a year. Nice. <laughs> nice. Wow. That that's where you say, yes. Yeah. 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 Yes. We were used to paying about 4,000 a year mm-hmm. in the Buckhouse. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And probably the biggest savings is healthcare. Mm-hmm. Oh, so yes. yes. I got a quote from the company that we both worked for the same company for a while. It was going to be $900 a month per person. Oy. So we were looking at $1,800 for healthcare insurance. In the U.S. The same policies we had when we were working. Mm-hmm. In the U.S. In the U.S. Yes. In the U.S. If we retired, right? If we took the company's healthcare right. plan as a retiree. With fairly high deductibles, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. So wow. we were looking at about $2,000 a month for healthcare insurance. That's right? Crazy. Factor in deductibles and such. Yeah. yeah. Here, our healthcare is about 140 US dollars a month for both of us. <laughs> for both of us. <laughs> wow. Wait, what a drop. And, what a drop. Yeah. yeah. As Marcus mentioned earlier, 
in Portugal, one of the few European countries that allows immigrants to use public and private insurance. Okay. So for example, you're in a car accident, you need emergency care, emergency care right away because you broke your leg. They'll take you to a public hospital and take care of everything. Right. Your follow-up visits might go to your private doctor, maybe, or your annual or semi-annual doctor visits, you might go to a private doctor. Mm -hmm. And so we had a private doctor in Lisbon. When we moved out here, we haven't found a private doctor yet because we'd have to drive about a half an hour. We thought we would give the public healthcare system a try. And we found a good doctor there. It's basically free to go to the doctor here. Yeah. Marcus had to go to the emergency room because he stepped on a rusty nail a week oh, ago. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I saw that. Oh, sorry. It, so we went to the emergency room. They worked on his foot, gave him local anesthesia and yeah. whatever. He was done in about a half an hour. It cost 17 euros. <laughs> oh, my goodness. For like oh $20. And wow, I, I suspect that had I maybe followed the, the rules and called in advance and made an appointment or whatever, it probably would have been free. But because I came unannounced, right. there was like a, a 17 bought- euro surcharge or something. Mm-hmm. Like, wow. I mean, how do you even? A $17 surcharge. Yeah. So you yeah. have private, you have private insurance and you also use the public health healthcare. System. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So the, the way to explain it is that, if any emergency care or anything serious like cancer or anything like that, you go to the public system, right? Okay. The government pays for it. Mm-hmm. Small things like let's say I fall down and hurt my shoulder and I want an MRI. Okay, I'm going to go private because I can get that MRI tomorrow mm-hmm. or the next day mm-hmm. versus going to the public system. I might have to wait six weeks to get an MRI, you know, just okay. because of scheduling or whatever. So mm-hmm. you, you use them in tandem because you can take those results from your MRI that sure. you've got. Mm-hmm. the next day and then go to see your your doctor public, yeah. with those results in hand and see your your public doctor and that visit would be free you know so it's mm. it's they work in tandem and they work very well together um, if you can afford private insurance here and it's not expensive as we said no it is pretty right. fantastic yeah, i think it's a our, smart um, thing to do we went yeah. to the the local public doctor for a checkup and uh, he suggested that we get blood work done and, and mm-hmm, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So we went and had the blood work done and, you know, we're waiting to pay. Like, you know, we're Americans. We're there with our wallet. Like, okay, yeah, it's yeah. going to cost, right? It was free. It was free. <laughs> wow. like, we're confused at what the end surprise. of the day. And these guys are country bumpkins. They don't know. They don't know that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and what about pharmacies? Oh, wait, uh, how close, what is the distance to the nearest hospital? From where you are, mm-hmm. the nearest hospital is Avalar, a little town called Avalar, mm-hmm. and it's about 15, 20 minutes. Yeah, oh, oh, not bad. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That's okay. where Marcus went. Yeah. Okay. School. Yeah. Okay. It's it's in distance. It's seven kilometers. Mm-hmm. If that gives mm-hmm. it, so that's only like four miles away. Yeah. But the roads here are like crazy country roads. You know, so mm-hmm. you're driving pretty slow. But okay. It's, but it's not that far. Right. Oh, we no, can get close. there on our ETVs. Yes, we can yeah. go there on oh. our ETVs. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, it's rocky. <laughs> yeah. I like yeah. it. Yeah. But yeah, pharmacies are close by. Um, within 15 minutes, there's a town mm-hmm. and uh, by car, 15 minutes. And it's a town that has restaurants and pharmacies and a hospital and, you know, whatever. If we wanted to do something like go to the movies mm. or we wanted to go out to eat at a nicer restaurant, we would drive to a city called Coimbra, mm. and that's about a 30-minute drive. 
Okay. And in Coimbra, that's a university town. The oldest university in continental Portugal is, or continental Europe is there. Mm-hmm. And oh, that nice. is the old capital of Portugal back in the day in the, in the 1100s yes. or whatever it was the yes. capital. So wow. it's, okay. um, it's a big city. It has okay. all the kinds of amenities. Third or fourth largest city. Yeah. Okay. Lots okay. of culture, music, okay. and there's stadiums for concerts and there's wow. music and like all that's in Coimbra and it's about a half hour away. That's so, you know, getting back to the healthcare, I think what I wanted to say in summary with all that mm-hmm. is we probably live on what healthcare would have cost us in the U.S. Yeah. per month. We live on that amount here. Yeah. Like utilities, food, gas, healthcare uh, insurance, like it's all bundled in and we probably live on right. that amount of money. Okay, that's a good right. as a trade-off. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And for us, that was one of the reasons we came because we couldn't retire early in the United States and enjoy the same life that we have here mm-hmm. because the, a lot of our budget would be eaten up by healthcare. So we decided like, well, if we asked ourselves a question like, okay, if we're going to retire early, like, how are we going to do it? Yeah. I and was going to ask that. You know, yeah. The, yeah, the logical answer was like, okay, we have to leave the United States. Like if we're going to retire and have a decent life, Right. If we're going to retire early and have a decent life, we have to leave. Right. So that's one you of retired the... in your 50s. Right. So you wouldn't have yeah. qualified for Medicare or, you know, all right. that. Yeah, for right. a while. And so right. that's a good chunk of time. Yeah. I mean, think of twenty thousand dollars a year in premiums over the next Thanks. 10 years or 15 years. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's like it's a lot of money. Chunk of change. I, yeah. I guess yeah. we did have a list of non-negotiables. You know, I think one was we were not going to live anywhere that did not recognize our marriage. That was very important to us. Okay. We had spent many years going to protests and rallies Mm -hmm, in Pennsylvania. mm -hmm. So it was Mm -hmm. very important to us. So that was probably first. Second was probably healthcare and, you know, resources to good healthcare and affordable healthcare. Third was probably weather. Mm -hmm. And then fourth cost of living. Those were four things in that order I think were non-negotiables for us. Right. We didn't want snow. We wanted to make sure we lived someplace that we could enjoy the weather year round. You know, today is just a beautiful day. And I think our friends and family in New York and Pennsylvania mm. still have snow. Yeah. On the ground. <laughs> yeah. And it's yeah. probably 65 degrees here and sunny. Oh, and, wow. Yeah. What's the year round weather? Um, how, well, it how varies. Cold? You know, it's one of the beautiful things about Portugal. You can be in the south in the Algarve and it's warm pretty much year round, but it gets mm-hmm. probably a little more hot in the summer. Mm-hmm. The middle part of the country is kind of where we live and it's a little more temperate, gets cooler, maybe a little more rain in the winter. And then the northern part is more rainy and more cold. And the occasional snow, but I mean, like once a year type yeah, of snow. There. Only mm-hmm. like in the highest mountains. Right? Okay. So like for us, the typical where we live now, the typical winter would be, you know, rain a fair portion of the time in the winter. But that's only from like January, February, March. Right. So it would be rainy in January, February, March. And the temperature might be in the high 50s, low 60s during the day. And it might Mm -hmm. drop down to the mid 40s um, to high 40s at night. It's like a fall. It's like fall in the Poconos is winter here. You know, that's that's oh, really what it comes that's down nice. to. And then yeah. Nice. Yeah. by April, it starts warming up and the days in the summertime, you know, it's... To give you an idea, the, the, the gentleman that owned the house before us had a fireplace in the main living area mm-hmm. that was used to heat the entire house. That was wow. the sole source of heat. And that's a big yeah, house. Yeah, we didn't... 
Yeah, we upgraded that. I'm just saying. <laughs> so, but it was oh, the, nice. I love fireplaces. Yeah. Yeah. So well, that's we a big saving. Placing it with a pellet stove in the front of the house and one in the back of the house. So they oh. kind of like come together and heat the whole place. Mm-hmm. Oh, so we you're saved doing that the too. beautiful fireplace and put it into the guest house. So yeah. if you come oh, stay ah. at our guest house, you can enjoy a fire yeah. in the guest cool. house. Cool. <laughs> Is that an invite? Is that an invite? I had an invite. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> tell, tell me, we I forgot to ask you, what about internet costs and things like that? Your phone bill? It's that like nothing? so cheap, we don't even think about it. It's, oh, man. So wow. in the Poconos, I think we had... We had Verizon for a while and then Comcast. It was at and t at the end, right? Oh, so right, AT&T, right. Verizon, right? And it, their retail price was going to be over 300 for the package of internet, cell phones, home phone, and cable, right? Yeah. And we month. didn't have like all the fancy cable stations. Mm-hmm. I, of course, negotiated that every year. And I said, yeah. oh, yeah. I'm going to yeah. leave and go to Comcast. going to yeah. leave. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it ended up being like 230 I think. For all the plus internet, so it totaled three hundred because that remember our internet was separate. I think it was that much. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, our cost here, we just got a new service here. We have four G internet, so we don't have fiber, but it's pretty good, Mm -hmm. and you can tell just from our connection. Yeah, Yeah, very good. We spend fifty nine (laughs) euros for cable internet. And two cell phones. Home phone and two cell phones with 10 gigabytes of data. That includes cell phones? Wow. Yeah. Yes. Now, we own our cell phones outright. That doesn't include like a rental Mm -hmm. plan for the phones. It's Mm -hmm. just the the data. But 10 gigs each for data. Oh, my God. That's That's amazing. It is. All right. So we've covered all that. Now, what about about food? Where do you go and shop and prices? Marcus is the cook. I'm going to let him handle it. Mm -hmm. Nice. Lucky you. (laughs) so it is so produce here is abundant and inexpensive if you buy the local things right so if you want to live a local lifestyle and you want to buy the things that are made within you know 50 kilometers of of where you live if you're that kind of person portugal is the right kind of country for you things are are very local they produce a lot of their own vegetables maybe they bring some stuff in from spain right? Because it's right next door, but yeah. generally speaking, mm-hmm. a lot of it's local. So food is inexpensive if you buy the local foods. Mm-hmm. If you decide to recreate your life from the United States, mm-hmm. it's expensive. Like if I want to go buy a brand that I know from the United States or whatever it is, it's going to be more money than the local stuff. Sure. Um, so you just have to realize that. Meat here is comparably priced and of a much higher quality. How you food shop here is a little bit different. They have supermarkets like everywhere else, right? So if you want to go to the giant supermarket, you can do that. But if you want to go to the smaller shops and you want to go to the butcher because you want to develop a relationship with your butcher, you can do that too, which is what we like to do because if we want certain cuts that aren't normal here and you know your butcher and you say, yeah, I really like this because I'm going to do this, they'll make it, you know, or they'll cut it Mm. for you special. So you have your butcher, you have your vegetable place, you have your uh, bakery that you go to for bread. So if you want to be like in the U.S. and go to the, the supermarket, you can do that. But it can be less expensive for you to go to these little mom and pop shops and yeah, buy which like, I'd rather do. the weekly yeah. market that they have in Figaro dos Vinhos. We can go buy stuff that was pulled out of somebody's garden mm. yesterday, you know, and, and they'll sell it at the market right. on Saturday. A couple of things I want to add to that that I just think is so European and so cool is that there's a bread truck 
that comes oh. up the mountain. Oh yeah. my God, a bread truck. Yeah. Gene, you so you can oh my goodness. bread and rolls and have it delivered oh. right to your house. Yeah. That is great. Like, yeah. yeah. And, and oh you would think goodness. we're so remote that they wouldn't come up the mountain, but they do. Yeah. Wow. Um, wow. And the other thing is we have a couple, well, we mentioned um, a lot of our neighbors are British. There's a few Portuguese people that live around us too, and they have gardens and they readily share stuff with us. Right. Oh, so we, nice. We come home from being out somewhere and there's like turnips and turnips yeah. in our oh back my door. God. Right? Wow. It's yeah. just amazing. Oh. And we recently bought 10 kilos of. Oh my God. So, yeah. 10 five, kilograms. Five, five kilos oh, of five potatoes, kilograms. which is basically 11 pounds of potatoes for three euros. Two euros. So our neighbor had a sign up on his garage, patatas, five kilos for two euros. And they're like, we have to just go get them because, you know, we... the neighbor's selling potatoes. Like, how do you not support that? That's yeah. Right. Right. Wow. So I'm buying my potatoes from him. We had potatoes for like a month. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Wait, how so, often does the bread truck come around? It, it'll come every day if you want. Or at <gasps> least three days a week, at least. Wow. So, well, yeah. Bill, you really, no, you really didn't know that, huh? How could you not know that? <laughs> to be honest, we haven't signed up yet because Wait. we're so not on a schedule because of so many things. Yeah, going yeah, yeah. On. I'm just kidding. I'm just when kidding. we get set, when we get settled, that's when mm-hmm. we're going to sign up. They'll have a fish truck that drives around with fish. Oh my They'll goodness. have a groceries truck that drives around with basics like rice and whatnot. So. The way they treat elderly people here that are that are rural, that have lived on this land their whole life and they are not going anywhere, like there are social systems in place so that they can exist in the countryside That's that incredible. you just wouldn't find in the United States. So no. it's, it's no. a very right. different because right. I'm guessing they're not making a ton of money off the bread truck. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But that bakery but, yeah, does it as almost like a service so caring. for gas and all that yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. so it's, you can get everything you need at home like you said if you're elderly and you can't travel yeah. you don't have a car you can't drive everything right. is available mm-hmm. yeah and, and now it's not like going to the supermarket where you have three different choices of whatever yeah. but yeah. that grocery truck that comes to you will carry like rice and beans mm, and, and necessities. vegetables yeah. you know what yeah. i'm saying like yep. staples. all the they'll, basic they'll the yeah yeah the, the only thing i can mm-hmm. compare it to when i was a kid there was a guy who started this truck that was called the um, general store on wheels Mm-hmm. And he uh-huh. had a similar thing, but it didn't it didn't work out. But yeah, you could get all the essentials from there. Eggs yeah, yeah. and my mother would love it. But that but, that's no longer. Yeah, no, that's uh-huh. long gone. That's long gone. Yeah. I think it's pretty cool. Do you remember Charles Chips? They used of to course. deliver potato chips. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Oh, they delivered yeah. to homes. I didn't know that. I yeah, mean, there's yeah. still yeah, back in the back in the day, yeah. Oh, that's so, so that was, cool. Okay. Yeah. So food so, here is 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 inexpensive. Yeah. All right. Wow. So it seems um, hearing that you are the cook, do you guys, you don't eat out often or what's the situation? I know it's COVID also, but. Yeah, no, we do. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, okay. so we found a really great little restaurant. Another great thing about Europe and Portugal is they have menu de dia, the uh, menu, menu of the day. Mm-hmm. And that usually consists of a meat, a chicken and a fish. So you've got different options to choose from. So for seven euros and 50 cents, we go to this restaurant wow. and you get bread and olives to start. Mm. You get a drink and by a drink, you would think it's a glass of wine, but it's usually a carafe. Yeah. Whoa. A whole carafe per person. 
yeah, wine it's, it's, per person? Wow. Drinking at lunch here is is almost a requirement. Like I had to stop after a couple of months because I'd have to go home and sleep after lunch. Yeah. And lunch, lunch is the but, biggest meal there, right? Yeah. 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 So so you get right. the olives bread, a drink, the entree, which usually includes a potato and a, a salad, a dessert, and coffee. All for seven euros and 50 cents. Wow. So we, needless to say, go out to lunch probably three or four times yep. a week just because we'd, it's so affordable. Yeah. Maybe seven, girls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because one of my criteria, well, I can't call it a criteria, but I Your would dreams. love to, my dream would be not to, not to have to cook. I mean, here we do a lot of takeout and we eat out a lot. Um, too much. Yeah. And way too much. Not just because, well, on the financial side, it's bad. But it's also not the healthiest because a lot of these places just pour on the salt, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Even takeout has been costing us a lot. If we move somewhere and we never thought we would move out of the U.S., but more and more of these shows are convincing us, you know, if we live somewhere six to nine months a year, we could also save a lot of money and eat healthy. Sure. I mean, I would yeah. lo- I could eat fish every day. So if there was a, you know, a fish truck mm-hmm. that came by and we yeah. heard about that also, was it also Portugal? Chilem. In Chilem, Mexico. All they right. go to your house. and they, they go to your house, right? And they have a bucket. That's a little fishing pick, town, though. Yeah, that's a fishing town. So so you you are, are you walking distance to the restaurants or do you have to drive? No, no. They're in the sticks, Gil. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm in just Lisbon, we idea. were. Yeah. In Lisbon, we were, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not here, no. And, okay. and what there's about... Not even a, I was going to say, there's not even like a, a cafe that you could walk to, really. I mean, right. down the mountain is a little cafe where you can get a beer for a euro. Oh, but wow. it's a bit of a walk after a couple of beers to come up the hill. <laughs> yeah, so walking there would be easy. Right, walking back would be a whole other thing. Right? Wow, a euro for a beer. I can't believe it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, my, my bigger question is, what about cafes that you can drive to? Is it is it expensive, like Starbucks? You know, is it $7 for a cup of uh, Coffee. cappuccino? Well, coffee culture here is strong. It's mm-hmm. it's It's pretty interesting. Um, and there's lingo that you have to learn. Like a bika is like a little tiny espresso. 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 Okay. And then a regular cafe is a little bit more. And if you get a cafe sheyu, which is a, a full cup of espresso, of espresso, you get a full espresso cup. Sometimes people would just say, oh, would you like an abatinado? And be like, oh, okay, let's just try it. We have no idea what it is. We just <laughs> I know. Yeah. Abatinado is like an American cup of coffee. Uh, okay. American That's what cup. I would get, right. yeah. And then there's May of the Lights with, uh, which is like a latte. Yeah, that's like a latte. Yeah, there's uh, all kinds of coffee and it's good coffee. You're right. And it's not expensive. Okay. Um, It's not places like Starbucks exist in Lisbon Mm. and maybe in Porto. But in the countryside, if you go to a cafe for coffee and you get an espresso, it's 60 cents. What? Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. You get like their version of a latte, it might be a euro and 10 cents. There's a culture, especially in Lisbon, where mid-afternoon, you'll see a lot of men and sometimes women stand at the counter for a quick cup of coffee. They go in and order a cafe. You know, in five minutes, they'll chat a little bit. They'll drink their coffee and go back to work. Yeah. It's it's like three o'clock, four o'clock coffee break is like the thing where they leave the building. They slam down an espresso and maybe have a little snack. You don't see as much coffee to go like a Starbucks Mm -hmm. would do. It, It doesn't even exist. And the other thing, too, yeah. you had mentioned um, Subway. 
What's really expensive here is Burger King and McDonald's. Right. <laughs> really expensive. And like if you like I said, if you want to recreate recreate your life in the United States, yeah. Pizza Hut. We went to Pizza Hut just like, oh, it's like, you know, we're missing America. We're going to Pizza Hut. It was 30 euros for a pizza. And oh, goodness. yeah, which comes out to be like, you know, $35 for a Pizza Insane. Hut pizza. Yeah. Forget, it's forget, crazy. Forget about pizza. I mean, can you get can you get good pizza there? Uh, what is it? Good pizza? Oh. Uh, no, like not like no. I, as a fellow, like I'm from New Jersey, you're yeah. from New York, yeah. like no. Yeah. Okay. In my heart, okay. I can't tell you. Not like that. you're used to. Uh, and bagels, forget about. Oh yeah, uh, like <laughs> you cannot get a good bagel anywhere no. in all of Portugal. Some people will say, "Oh, there's a place in Lisbon." It's it's nothing like a New York bagel. And it's sometimes I would give my left foot for pork or leg and cheese on a on an everything bagel. <laughs> That's a money making idea, Gil. We should do it. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, we'll open a Trader Joe's, you know, and have all these, little, yeah. you know. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, can we talk a bit about the food diversity? What mm-hmm. types of food do you miss? Anything, or is it mostly kind of a Portuguese menu? It's a Portuguese menu mostly in the countryside for sure. Yeah. Okay. We've learned there are some things that we detest (laughs) so like what we were with friends and they stopped by a little portuguese restaurant for lunch one day and one of the menu do dia items was casita a portuguesa casita a portuguesa which is a typical portuguese stew sort of like served over rice i think it was like boiled dinner in the United States, like in uh, New England, like a boiled dinner where there's yeah, yeah. Like boiled vegetables and boiled meat. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So we're like, okay, menu to deal. We'll have two, please. And so they come out to the table with this huge platter of like meat and it's on rice. And we're like, that's two, right? They're like, no, no, there's going to be another one. We said, well, oh, wait yeah. a minute. I mean, we're big guys. We eat a lot of food, but this was like a big yeah, platter. So they said, no problem. We got all kinds of orders for Cozita today. So we'll give... Yours is okay. Okay. So we start eating. I said to Marcus, this meat doesn't look familiar to me. Like, <laughs> oh, there oh, was just... like pig ears, snouts, <laughs> knuckles. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I was like, you are not having it. I'm out. I'm not, I'm not eating this. I cannot do it. What? You have bacon, oh. right? Bacon. Well, and they, yeah, no, it's not attached to a knuckle, though. Oh, it's not, bacon isn't crunchy. If your bacon was crunchy, you wouldn't feel the same. Oh, my. It was. God. Yeah. Oh, it was like twangy, right? The the snout? Yeah, ears. Like, I'm not kidding. Ears. Like, ears. <laughs> it's a cultural thing. Yeah, yeah. It is. I mean, it my is. grandmother, so they, all right, my grandmother's favorite mm-hmm. part of the chicken, and you're going to get this disgusted is um is the little butt i i, I oh god yeah no that little you know that little um i can't the tail feather part yeah the tail yes yeah, yeah. yeah and, sh- and yeah. we would be like all right here otherwise it'd go in the trash but it's a right. cultural thing i mean she grew mm-hmm. up in china so you know they ate yeah. every part mm-hmm. there was oh, yeah. nothing left you know even the yeah. bones went marcus's grandparents were polish mine were italian same mm-hmm. thing right you know. yeah yeah but, but you didn't waste you know, no, pickled pig's feet was on the table like when I grew up because I had Polish grandparents that ate that. They made their own and ate it. Right, right. Uh, wasn't for me, you know. <laughs> that was the yeah. So that's okay. one thing I don't like. Some so now you know the name though, of it. They eat everything here, like parts and pieces, right? Yeah. So like nothing goes to waste. Yeah. yeah. So like we, I have made mistakes because Bill is smart. Like he sticks to what he knows, <laughs> and he orders what he likes, and that's that. I occasionally will like, oh, I've never seen that. I'm going to order it and see what it is. Yeah. I've had some losers. I've had some real losers come across my plate. All right. All right. How about some favorites, though? Like favorite Portuguese. 
carne de porco de Alentejana, which is pork, cubes of pork in this incredible roasted pepper sauce. Um, little garlicky roasted mm-hmm. red pepper sauce mm-hmm. with little clams Ooh, and potatoes. Clams. It's incredible. It's like magic. What a mix. It's it's like you think like oh pork clams and potatoes. That's a strange combination, <laughs> but it's incredible. Wow. Another yeah. favorite is secretos de porco. Yeah, or in Portuguese they'll say secretch. Yeah, secretch, <laughs> which is like black pig pork meat. Well, it's a cut. It's just a cut that doesn't exist in the U.S. and it's a very thin cut that usually is done with Iberian pork, which is a super high quality pork, and they just grill it wow. really fast and serve it with a squeeze of lemon and some salt, and it's. That when you eat that pork, you nothing is ever the same again. <laughs> when you go back to regular pork, you're like, why is this 13 euros a kilo? I don't care, but I'm paying it because it's <laughs> so much better. It's so much better than regular pork. Yeah. Oh, What's another okay. favorite of yours? Breads and the pastries are incredible. Yeah. Oh, bread wow. here is, right. is insane. Off the chain. The bread okay. here is All right, the so worst you don't have bread that you'll eat here. No, we don't have bagels, but the no, no, no. But I'm saying you don't years. need the bagels because you have other delicious. Well, you still miss bagels. No, I mean, if you didn't like have everything bagel, yeah, <laughs> you know the kind of bagel you put in the toaster and it, yeah, the yeah, bubbles yeah. get crunchy. Yeah, yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yes, yes. Okay, okay, You always want to taste at home, but yeah, the food here it's in the country. It's it's Portuguese food, right? We have to go to Coimbra if we want something different. So okay. if we go to Coimbra, yeah, there's sushi and there's, you know, right, it's, so Asian it's not as diverse yeah. as the United States. Mm-hmm. Not nearly. Not ne- That's a big change. If you're used to eating a lot of different things, like this is a... One thing we have not had since we've been here is Thai food. Or Vietnamese. A little oh, no, Vietnamese, we had a little Vietnamese, yeah. yeah in the same and area. Lisbon. Lisbon. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. True. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. We've had All right, Indian. There's quite a bit of Indian food in Lisbon. Oh, nice. Yeah, a lot of Indian food. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, and there's but, also, yeah, there's also a lot of English, right? So there's yeah. a lot of the Indian. Then, yeah. And mm-hmm. so, so for the Asians, there isn't, I didn't hear Chinese. So I guess it was. Oh, in Lisbon, there's lots of Chinese food. Like yeah. we lived in a neighborhood that had a lot of Chinese people. There was a hot pot restaurant. There was a, a lot of Hong Kong style. So yeah, that was all there. Dim sum. There's some dim sum stuff in Lisbon. Mm-hmm. So there's a, a strong, from the Macau relationship. Yeah. There's a strong Chinese relationship with Portugal. And, and in Lisbon, there's a, a lot of Chinese people and yeah. a lot of Chinese restaurants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's move on. You guys, you guys said some, um, you some Portuguese and you're describing the food. How, how is your Portuguese and do you need to speak it? The wonderful thing about Portugal is they require kids to take English in school very early on, which is good and bad. It's good because you can get around because most people under the age of 50-ish know some English. It's bad because they'll readily switch to English. So you never get uh, to really mm, practice your oh, Portuguese. Wow. Uh, if they see you struggle yeah. in the least, they're like, oh, do you want to speak English? And then depending on your mood that day, you'll be like, <laughs> okay, yes, because I'm frustrated and I want yeah, an answer, yeah. a quick answer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we took the government-sponsored language class, which was 150 hours long in Lisbon. So we went three nights a week for like four months. Wow. We passed the A1 and A2 level proficiency. And got our certificate so that if we apply for citizenship in five years, we'll have the language requirement um, oh, certificate. Nice. Have that. Nice. Otherwise, you have to take a, I think it's called a SIPL test, mm-hmm. which is a language proficiency uh, test mm-hmm. that is equivalent to the A2 level mm-hmm. um, to get citizenship. I think during the class, we obviously had learned quite a bit. And, and in Lisbon, even though there was probably more English-speaking people 
in Lisbon, we spoke more Portuguese. Here, probably because our closest neighbors are British, and for some reason in this area, there's a lot of other Brits. So you go to the grocery store, they know English. Mm. You go to the butcher, sometimes they'll know English. And they want to practice. I feel like in Lisbon, <laughs> right. they want to practice. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And Lisbon people entertained us practicing Portuguese because they have an opportunity to speak English all the time. Okay. Here, the people that you meet in the store, I feel like they really want to practice their English. And so when they they hear us that we're Americans, they want to practice. <laughs> right. And you and want so to practice speak Portuguese. Portuguese. And they're like, no, 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 we want to practice English. Like they'll fight you. It's very, yeah. It's admittedly not an easy language to learn. Yeah. It's Difficult to understand when they speak because they slur a lot of words together and they speak very uh, fast. Mm-hmm. And if you add a mask on top of it, forget about mm-hmm. it. It's just, uh, you know, right. you can't see their lips and it's yeah. difficult. Yeah. I took Spanish for three and a half years thinking that I could from there learn Portuguese because, you know, we we <laughs> left Brazil when I was about five and a half. So when we came to the U.S., you know, they don't teach you Portuguese as one of the regular subjects. It's either Spanish, French or what have you. So I said, let me learn a little because my dad learned to speak it because we were in Brazil for eight years. So he learned and I, I thought I could practice with him. So I come home. But Spanish is to me so much easier. So People so Portuguese that. has like this kind of French influence. So and, and I thought, oh, maybe if I just add je, je, je to everything, <laughs> it would work. But no, it's different. It's quite different. Yeah. Well, in Brazilian well, Portuguese is different than European yes, Portuguese. Yeah, I heard that. And too. they're very different as well. And if you use mm-hmm. Google Translate, you're going to end up in trouble because it's uh, Brazilian Portuguese. Yeah. Okay. Believe it or not, there's actually some words that have entirely different meanings. And the pronunciation can be different, too. So yeah. we had... Uh, several Brazilians in our neighborhood, and they instead of bom dia, it's bom dia, and it's one of the typical. That's the that's the mark of it. like when you hear somebody speaking, the D switched for a G is Brazilian Portuguese. So you can tell, oh, they're Brazilian, you know, oh, or they learn Brazilian Portuguese. So there's okay. these little cues that you pick up uh, on. We go to the continent, um, continente, the continente grocery store, right? Instead of the continente, so it's a hard language to learn, and it's just very different. But, you know, in, in the apartment in Lisbon, it was kind of fun because it was a hobby and it was something we desperately needed. A yeah. Hobby, right. Here, I feel like we get up in the morning and our day is just packed with projects. I'm not spending the amount of time I really need to spend to stay fresh with the language. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So, right. Yeah. No, that's understandable. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. especially if you have people who want to learn English, yeah. which, by the way, mm-hmm. is a very hard language also. I mean, thank God you have that. Yeah. Sure. And and also the um, the Chinese language, the dialects are also oh, really hard because they're tonal. So forget that. Yeah. And the same in Portugal. That's what I, I think a lot of people from Eastern Europe and China find Portuguese easier because... There are sounds here that are not made in most of the other European language, let alone in English. Whether you're, you say masa, masa, they're all spelled the same, but masa is dough, masa is apple. So like there's these different things that wow, sound on paper look very much the same. The spellings right. are very similar, okay. but they sound slightly different. And so when somebody's speaking a mile a minute at you, if you pull out one out of every 10 words, oh. you're like, okay, but just slow down. If you say one word at a time, I might understand you, but yeah. so it's, it's so hard. Here's a good one. Pow with a nasal. Ow. Pow is bread. Mm-hmm. Pow. 
Pow is stick, and it can also mean penis. <laughs> yes, it's also slang for a penis. And so imagine when you're talking to the waitress in the restaurant, and you say, my pow, and you want more bread, but you just told her you want more penis. It's just not... <laughs> Oh, God, that's great. Okay. Yeah. Um, so there's well, that. Let's see. So we've covered a lot. Where you are, what's the distance to the airport? We and- are fortunately sort of smack dab in the middle between Lisbon and Porto. Okay. So it's about an hour and 45 minutes to Lisbon, an hour and 45 minutes to Porto. Okay. So that's not that. Lisbon bad. has more international flights sure. than Porto. So, you know, there's yeah. more options out of Lisbon. But right. um, yeah, yeah, so we're in a good spot. COVID aside, do you plan to travel much from where you are, you know, once that lifts? Or do you think you'll be more homebodies and and do stuff in Lisbon and become more of the... Well, I think now that now that we have the house, I think we'll be more homebodies. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. if we do one or two trips a year, mm-hmm. maybe we'll do one. It's not going to be like, we were thinking we're going to do weekend city jumps all over Europe when mm-hmm. we live yeah. in Lisbon because yeah. we're real close to the airport. I don't right. think that's our plan anymore, right. but... Yeah, okay. like I'm dying to go to Italy. My grandparents yes. were from there. Mm-hmm. I've never been. Mm-hmm. Um, that was one of the glamorous things about living in Europe was to hop on a plane and be in a different country in an hour and a half or two hours. Mm-hmm. But I think with the house and all the projects, we won't travel as much. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. But after, yeah, we'll after do, yeah, like one or two big trips a year, if that, okay. like that's kind of okay. what we're thinking. Yeah, I was yeah. Just curious. But, but airfares are inexpensive to go to other parts of Europe, right? With Ryanair and everything. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like we were supposed to go to Rome, March of the pandemic. Was yeah, it, it got March shut down the... because of the pandemic. Yeah. yeah, and I think the airfare was like a hundred euros a person or something like round that. trip. Yeah, round yeah. trip. Wow, yeah. that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know what I forgot? Visas. What kind of visa are you on? I heard you mention that in five years you apply for citizenship. Is that yeah. is that easy to do? We're on what's called a D seven visa, right? D is in Delta. D seven. And that is a retiree's visa. You're supposed to be able to self-sustain without dependent on the government. So you have to prove that you have an income when you when you apply. Then once you come, you're on the visa that lasts for four months. That gives you the opportunity to come here and then apply for temporary residency. Wow. Uh, and temporary residency lasts for a couple of years at a time. And then once you've totaled up five years of temporary residency, you can apply for permanent residency or citizenship. And so a permanent resident is very much like having a a green card in the United States. You're a permanent resident. Nobody can kick you out. Citizenship is exactly what it sounds like. You become a a Portuguese citizen. We plan on, after we hit our five years of temporary residency, we plan on applying for Portuguese citizenship. Luckily, the U.S. and Portugal has dual citizenship. Oh, uh, I was going to ask. Agreements. Yes. Have to yes. agreements. Yeah. One caveat is that you do pay taxes in both places, but there's also a reciprocal agreement between the two countries. So you would pay Portugal first and then the U.S. Right. If uh, the U.S. ended up being more, which is generally not. And then your financial banking and all that, do you maintain that in the U.S.? And, and at some point, you will you... Uh, you'll have dual citizenship, so you can still collect Social Security, yes? Yes. So, okay, I know that was two citizen- questions. Yes, yeah, so the banking, uh, I mean, a lot of people, and we've had people write into us, ask, where do you maintain all your financial? I mean, do you feel more mm-hmm. comfortable back home, you know, with the bank or? It's a little complicated. So we do maintain a U.S. bank because certain retirement accounts 
are required to be left in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Unless you want to cash out of them, which doesn't make sense because you'll lose a lot of interest and, in, yeah, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. Right. So um, we do have a U.S. bank. We have a U.S. address. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And there's different methods. I mean, and if you go to any expat website, I mean, you can use some of these um, mail forwarding services. Some people use family members as an address. Like there's there's different ways to do it. And you go to any one of these like expat websites that'll give you advice on like, now that you're out of the U.S., like, how do you, how do, you do this? And that's what we did. We just did the research and we figured out how to do it. It changes often. I mean, I hate to give advice like that kind of advice yeah, yeah. in this venue, but yeah, it's it's not hard to do. Because you have the address, I guess, and and you do have strong ties to the US, there's no issue with social security. It's just a matter of when you decide to invoke it, from what I understand. Yeah. Social security will pay you if you have earned it. Yes. You get paid it. Your credit. It's not tied to your citizenship. That's right. So oh. revoking oh, oh. your US citizenship does not give up. Uh, your right to collect social security. Right. Yes. Okay. I just wanted to mention that. Mm -hmm. All right. I want to move on. You guys have um, quite a social media presence. (laughs) Bill started Bears Retiring in Europe. Why did you start that and how's it going? I started it during quarantine (laughs) because I needed a hobby. (laughs) And I was actually in another Facebook group that just was, I felt like it wasn't very friendly. And I said to Marcus, I'm going to start a Facebook group. So we started out calling it Bears Retiring in Europe um, because, you know, we're bears. <laughs> Could you go ahead? For those who don't know, what is a bear? Okay. So it is a sub community of the LGBTQ community, generally men that are maybe a little more robust, robust, um, <laughs> might have dad bods, right? <laughs> a little bit more, perhaps more erstink, more hairy, right? So hairy. Hair was part of that. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. Yeah. But, you know, so one of the things we used to do, we used to go to Bear Week in Provincetown every July. Right? Oh, my Bear goodness. Week. It was guys from like all over the world. People in Provincetown used to say the town changes because the bear community is so friendly and so welcoming of other people. So we had friends that had invited us to go there many years ago. We'd never heard of it. And so we, anyway, long story short, um, this Facebook group started out as Bears Retiring in Europe. And then other people were finding out about it. Women started wanting to join. And I thought, well, why not? You know, I mean, that's so great. We're not going to limit. Right. Right. Like we're part of a minority. It would be stupid for us to limit yeah. other minorities. Or Are other... there female bears? No, there's Goldilockses. <laughs> what? Which are a Goldilocks is women that like to hang out with bears. So, yeah, that's. <laughs> well, I have never heard of that. Oh, man. Yes. Well, you didn't yes. hear of bears until we did the Chalem well, episode. From... No, I heard, but I wasn't sure. And oh. then with the Chalem episode, I was like, yeah. And my friend Tim, of course, explained okay. everything. So, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty <laughs> proud of the fact that we have a lot of straight women, some straight men. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's a diverse group. And it's grown, like, you know, when I started it in May of 2020, I think it was, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I invited like a couple hundred of my Facebook friends. <laughs> and they invited... <laughs> Yeah, and then they invited others, and then yeah, it's over three thousand now. Yeah, that's amazing. So, wow, and it it really is not just an LGBTQ focused group. It's more about living, retiring, and traveling in Europe. Right. Mm-hmm. One of the really cool things that I think we have that most other groups don't 
is we have correspondence from about 14 different countries within Europe. Oh, nice. So let's say you have a question about Greece. Say, oh, the guy in Greece can answer that question because he lives there. Or, right. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so that is kind of a differentiator, I think, about our group that kind of very resourceful. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And also, yeah. And then, um, I'm sorry. I then when we bought this place, we're like, you know, it's kind of guest house. We're not sure. Initially, we thought just friends and family would probably um, use the guest house. Mm-hmm. But the more money we invest into the property, we mm-hmm. think, oh, it might make sense to... <laughs> B&B. Um, maybe we need to rent it out. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. we started Casa de Lumba on Instagram. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. And that's a site that's it's really pretty. So you're, rent- you're going to rent it out? Uh, we think so. We need to register it with the local facility or... Uh, local authorities. Lo- local authorities first. We do have a friend coming. Mary from Pennsylvania is yeah. coming <laughs> in April. Okay. Hi, Mary. <laughs> Tell us what, more about the Instagram page. What's the purpose of it? When we decided to move to Portugal, we joined a Facebook group called Americans and Friends PT. They are very helpful and they have a document in their files section about obtaining a visa. And we use that as our quote unquote Bible to get all of our documentation together. Mm-hmm. Wow. So we're very well prepared for our interview at the consulate in Newark, New Jersey. So we moved here with no attorneys or anything. We just did it all ourselves. Wow. Nice. Right. And so one of the reasons why I developed the other Facebook group was to help other people because we felt like we wanted to get back to people that were interested, but didn't, you know, have the resources or had questions. So, and then that kind of snowballed into this Instagram page because people had found out that we bought this property and they wanted to hear more about it. And, Uh, you know, what is like, what is life like living in the mountaintop village in Portugal? mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Admittedly, part of it now, I think is going to grow into sort of advertising for the guest house eventually. Mm. But right now it's about the property, our projects, living here. It's a unique perspective, I think, because most Americans in general, if they move over to Europe, they're moving to a city. Mm. So you don't find a lot of folks like us that kind of move into a lesser known part of a country in a more rural area. I mean, we there are other people like us certainly exist. It's just not um, not what you would typically think of right, right. as uh, immigrants from the United States, or, you know, right. immigrants to a new country. So, yeah. so I yeah. think that that gives us a unique perspective and people like it. You know, they want to know if they want to live in the country. What's it really like? Is it possible? You yeah, know, yeah. yeah. I think it's really helpful. Yeah. I mean, and, because mm-hmm. you're right. You know, I wouldn't have known where to begin. I mean, kudos to you guys. You know, I'm looking yeah. at these. What is it? What did I say? 20 regions. And, you know, you know, Lisbon, you know, the bigger areas. And I'm going, where would we even go? What direction? <laughs> and you mm-hmm. found a place. I mean, just by driving around, basically. Right. You, mm-hmm. you more or less. Yeah. You know, well, it wasn't I mean, like, you know, oh, what's the crime rate here or how easily accessible is this to the doctors and all that? I mean, you did your homework. Yeah, yes. that's but still. Well, first, let me just say, you know, Portugal is the fourth safest country in the world. Mm-hmm. Wow. Third safest country within the EU. So safety is never an issue in Portugal, mm-hmm. even in Lisbon. I mean, for us, we're big guys, so we are never bothered. But. You know, there's typical things like pickpockets and things like that in Lisbon but and not the touristy big. areas. Yeah. But, but really, as a gay couple, we've never faced any type of homophobia. 
Wow. I'll never forget when we were buying our bed and we were in the mattress store and the woman was like, could you like firm or soft? And we were like, oh, probably more firm. And she's like, here, get on. And so I would get on by myself and then I would get up and then Marcus would get on. She's like, get on the bed, both of you. You're both going to sleep on it, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I think we had more homophobia than the woman in the, <laughs> yeah. in the store. Yeah. Right? Wow. It's just oh, like, nice. Uh, yeah. It's, it's a different <laughs> crime here. Is, I don't want to say it's non existent because that would be foolish, but it is. It's not like the United States. Like, you don't worry about walking down the street at two o'clock in the morning. Right. You it's just not don't. a thought. Right. Yeah. Right. No. Yeah. You just don't. Okay. You know, no we, don't, we don't walk down the street holding hands, but we're not afraid to be affectionate and even our portuguese neighbors that are in their 70s and 80s close by mm -hmm. have been really welcoming mm -hmm. they oh, that's great. have just been incredible yeah mm -hmm. i mean i and i i want to correct myself when i i just mentioned there's no guns that's not true there is a hunting culture in rural portugal there's very little use of handguns and guns for crime but like as a, for instance, there's, we live in a wooded area. There's hunters that would come around and they can only hunt on Sundays and Thursdays. Don't ask me why that's just the rule. <laughs> and so our neighbor's house got hit by a bullet because it was a stray bullet from hunting. Now that never should have happened. They shouldn't have hunted so close to the mm -hmm. house, but he was all up in arms and called the police and, you know, and, and it's a big deal, but things like that, they treat like a big deal here. It's not, uh. When things like that happen, that doesn't get swept under the rug, so to speak, like it might in the United States. So, mm -hmm. so are there guns here? Yes, but there are people that are much more sensible about how they're used and the rules and regulations are much more conducive to making sure people don't just pop off and do something with their gun because everybody, they're all registered. Yeah. You have yeah. to have training. You have to belong to a club to own a weapon. So it's, it's not anti-gun, but it's not right. pro-gun either. Right. And it's right. just a different, right. it's a very different world in the United States. And, you know, and also I was thinking about some of our listeners are women who want to move abroad. They just don't know where to begin. And one question they have is the potential crime. I, and we always recommend, I mean, we don't recommend anything. All right. I should say, but we always <laughs> say, well, do what we do. You know, like when I go out at night, and even though where we live in Brooklyn is is safe, and that was one of the reasons why we chose this area, you know, I'm not going to walk around half drunk at 3 a.m. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Even even um even down a street that might not have too much lighting, you know. So you have to yeah. be smart about it. But yes. there are. But you're right. Portugal is one of the safest countries in the yeah. world, and that's touted. Yeah. On that vein, I would just say there is a, a Facebook group that I've seen called Solo Women Over Fifty moving to Portugal or something like wow. that. So there's, there's a community oh, wow. mm -hmm. um, from people that are thinking of, of being an expat or being an immigrant and being a, a you know, a single woman. So th those yeah. groups, those support groups exist. Yeah. And I'm not going to pretend that there aren't incidents of domestic violence here and machismo and cause all of that. Oh yes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So yeah. 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 No of course. Doubt. Yeah. And our perspective is very narrow as being like two really big dudes, you know, or not. <laughs> But compared to the U.S., yeah. it's, it's, oh, it's negligible. It's, almost. It's, I mean, it's just, yeah. you know, racism, homophobia. I don't want to say it's non-existent, but it just it's at a different level here, much yeah. lower level. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, it's not a. Yeah. Hey, just, just okay. to, just to round out the social media uh, talk. Mm -hmm. you, again, what's your Instagram? What name? The name of your Instagram? Um, it's their house. Uh, Casa da Lomba, C A S A D A L O. M B A zero five zero. 
And I put the, the digits on the end because there was already a cause of lump of something. So <laughs> 050 is the last three of our zip code here. So right. Oh, very good. That's how I ended very up being cause of lumba 050. Mm-hmm. Okay. One final question. Does Amazon deliver easily to you? <laughs> so we, when we lived in Lisbon, we were big Amazon users in the Poconos oh, because, yeah. you know, it was a half an hour to get yeah. to the store. So uh-huh. we use Amazon quite regularly. Then when we moved to Lisbon, we had heard that people ordered from Amazon Germany or Spain and sometimes mm-hmm. from the UK. Right. Well, with Brexit, the UK link kind of went away. Mm-hmm. We shopped local. In yeah, we, we really tried to buy things in Portugal. Oh, okay. So because we came with six suitcases, we had to buy everything. Yeah. Pots yeah. and pans, towels, sheets. We really tried to buy Portuguese-made items. Mm-hmm. The entire time we lived in Lisbon, we didn't use Amazon. When we moved here, that changed. And now we signed up for Amazon Spain. And uh, we, we have get a Prime a, account. We get a delivery about once a week, yeah. admittedly, because yeah. it's hard to find things in rural Portugal. Sure. I mean, even in Lisbon, it was hard to find certain things. Mm-hmm. But here we have a, an Amazon Spain account. Right. Okay. And if you have Prime, it delivers in two days. Right. Again, we try to buy local if we can. Yeah, I would do that too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's always our first choice. We look around first to see if we can find what we need. And if that doesn't work, our default is Amazon. If something silly, right? Like I have um, a size 13 shoe. So Portuguese people don't have big feet. They do not go above a size 12 here, period. And size 12 is hard to find. Wow. Wow. So like I needed slippers for the house, right? So I had to go to Amazon. Like I didn't have a choice, you know, because... Yeah, there's just nothing around here. So things like that you do, but like we try to buy local. I should tell you one or two of the suitcases were filled with shoes when we came over (laughs) because we knew the week that we were here, people told us you're not going to be able to get shoes. Yeah. And they were right. Oh, man. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Because I was a special order for you. Yeah. 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 You can always special. But then you have to wait and, you know, I mean, I could go on because I had like deep questions, but I'll, I'll stop. I'll stop. But. Well, yeah. I mean, if you want to, if you will talk we as long talk, as you want, can you can edit. Whatever, you can edit. <laughs> yeah, whatever you want to do. No, let's, no, let's no, wrap no, it no. up with the, the, the question. What? Okay. The, the ending question. So oh. what advice do you guys have for, for people moving to Portugal or, or retiring anywhere for that matter? Yeah. So I would say make sure you are ready to just go with the flow because nothing is going to be exactly like you think it is. Mm-hmm be aware that you don't, you just don't know what you don't know and just be ready for change. I think for me, I wish I had spent more time learning the language before I came here because that's been a bit of a barrier, even though a lot of people do speak English, like you don't get certain nuances because you don't know the language really well. Or like, you know, the whole pow and pow thing that I mentioned, (laughs) like, you know, only a friend told us that, but you know, God knows how long we were saying the, the wrong word. Yeah. <laughs> God, they're like, well, um, these two guys, that's yeah. all they think about. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, like, I think in order to feel like a sense of home and like you really belong, you kind of have to develop a bit of a mastery of the language. And we're not there yet. And mm-hmm. that's been a little bit of a psychological challenge for me, maybe. Mm-hmm. We have no intentions of moving back to the U.S., where do we call home now? It's Portugal, but yet at the same time, it's not home because 
I don't feel like I've fully blended into the culture. Mm-hmm. Right. And admittedly, there are some cultural things that to this day upset me. Yeah. You know, things like um, trying to get the roof fixed and, you know, yeah. be like, oh, I'll be there tomorrow or I'll be there next week. And mm-hmm. then they don't show up, and then <laughs> you know, or and, yeah. yeah. sometimes people like to do things at the last minute. They don't. There's no planning. There's you know, no planning. in the States, I felt like there was a lot more planning. Yeah. All right. We're going to have dinner on Friday night at eight o'clock at this restaurant. That is not a typical thing. Probably in Portugal. Well, and it, probably it would, at Friday at six o'clock, it would be a thing. Yeah. Like at Friday at six, they would call you and be like, hey, do you want to go out to dinner? If you called them on Wednesday, they're like, how could I possibly know what I'm going to do on Friday? <laughs> like, it just doesn't. Oh, it's a different culture. Yeah. World. Yeah. 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 And you just have to yeah. be ready for that. At first, I thought maybe it's because we live in the city of Lisbon, but I think it is more cultural. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think learning the language and, and trying just being flexible with mm-hmm. adapting to a new culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And and has it been easy to make friends? You know, I think Facebook groups have helped a lot mm-hmm. with that. You know, I'm happy to say that the, the group that I started, there's actually a lot of people that have met traveling. They'll post saying, I'm going to be in Lisbon in May. Who's available for coffee? Wow. And people will get together. Or when we were going to Rome, we had planned to meet up with other people that live near Rome because of that group. So Facebook groups have been a really big help from that perspective. Mm-hmm. And then once you get to know a few local people, they'll introduce you to other people. And we met some really good friends in Lisbon and we were invited to a party um, our first summer. You know, everyone spoke Portuguese. There were a few English speakers, but that was my first kind of taste of feeling like a real outsider because yeah. I didn't have mastery of the language. And I, well, I could, you know, say, oh, it's a nice day today. How are you <laughs> feeling? Or, you know, I, I didn't get all the nuances of all the conversations. And that's kind of like, I think the first time I felt like, hmm, I got to really concentrate on brushing up on my yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But we made friends. We've we've made local friends. We've, it's really not, if you are a friendly person that makes friends, you will make friends. If you are a person yeah. that is not, then you will not. That That's more of a reflection. That, of that makes fun. sense. Yeah, I'm the type of person you are then. Yeah, I think we really, because of our social media, I think that has a lot to do with it too. Mm -hmm. People from our Instagram and from the Facebook group will readily contact us to say, we're going to be in the Coimbra area or, you know, hey, do you guys want to meet up for lunch or Mm -hmm. we'd love to come see your village. Mm -hmm. That I think has helped a lot. Um, but then we've made local friends too. Yeah. So local friends yeah. by sitting yeah. at the mm-hmm. cafe and having lunch in the same place every day. Yep. Mm-hmm. You meet the local people and you make local uh, friends. Okay. So because okay. we're we're people that talk to the people at the table next to us, like that's <laughs> us, right? So yeah. of course yeah. you are. So you meet people. Yeah. So we've <laughs> yeah. made local friends. We've made friends from afar. Yeah. You know, we're we're still working on finding our tribe 100, percent but we're we're getting there. So the the guest house has its mm-hmm. own bathroom. Funny you should ask that. So it has its own kitchen, its own living room, and a loft um, area, Mm -hmm. which um, right now has a ladder to it, but we're going to build stairs so that Mm -hmm. most people can get up to it easily. The bathroom is located about 10 feet away in a separate building that's attached to the main house, but can't be entered from the main house. That's where our washer and dryer is and the bathroom for the guest house. Right. So there's a shower, a toilet, a sink, 
our washer and dryer is in there. Mm -hmm. Right. So obviously, if we had guests in the guest house, we would be mindful about when we would use the washer and dryer. Right. All right. Um, so if I yeah. So if I right. come to stay at the guest house, I have to make yeah. sure I have slippers and everything because I'll be going inside, outside, and then inside. Yeah, like you would need flip-flops, right, to go to the bathroom. <laughs> you would need flip-flops and a robe. And so that's something we would probably, we were thinking about, like we would probably end up providing. Are you because inviting? it's a... Well, yeah. he invited us. Are you inviting yourself, Gil? No, he invited us earlier. <laughs> oh, you guys could totally... <laughs> no, 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 no. We would pay. Okay, we would. Well, oh, well, let's listen, a dozen bagels might get you, if you could get oh, you anywhere. Oh, yeah. we live in Brooklyn, exactly. we have the bagels. Oh, yeah, we've got the yeah, bagels. Know, right. know, know. everything bagels, man. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. sick of those bagels. You like only everything, <laughs> everything jalapeno with pork, <laughs> leg, and cheese, and a smear of butter. I'm just saying, yeah, that's mine. Okay. Jalapeno. Okay. All right. I don't think you can bring them on the plane, though, can you? Yes, you can. Oh, yes, Yes, you can. can. With food, it's a deal. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're cheap, man. That's that's gonna be a cheap visit. (laughs) These guys are cheap dates, man. If you bring two dozen, we might even pick you up at the airport. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's a long drive. You got it, baby. You got it. Okay. All right. Well, listen. No, it'd be great to have you guys. No, yeah. I think it'd be yeah. so much fun. You have fun. to come in the summer, though, because that's when the pool is at its best. And, yeah. you know, it'll be really nice hot. and warm here. Okay. Well, we can't really swim very well. Well, I can't swim uh, at all. But um, well, I'll bring, the pool I'll bring... is not important. So come whenever you want. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. No, no. I've been trying to learn. Yeah, I've been we've, trying to, we've I've taken been a lot of lessons. lessons for like two years, but whatever. It's Our like pool is not a pool to go into if you don't know how to swim. I know, because it's deep. Right, you don't There's have no like shallow a... end. It's like deep all the way across. Oh my God! No shallow end. So yeah, scary. not for you, Gil. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. I'm, I'm but gonna... we there are local river beaches that you can go to that only you know the water's only like three or four feet deep. No, no, stuff, I'm not yeah. going. I'm not. I don't need the water. I mean, okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, thank you so much, Bill and Marcus. It's been a real treat yeah, and this a pleasure. Is great. We appreciate it. You're and welcome. Thanks for having us. Yeah. yeah no, pleasure. please. And, and if, we're going to be posting. You... Yeah. If you or your listeners have follow-up questions, feel free to contact us. Oh, thank yeah. you. Happy, thank you. Happy to help out. Yeah. A lot of people have helped us to get here, so we feel, you know, that it's important to kind of pay it forward and help yeah. other people. So No, absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. This is a great conversation. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Love you guys. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. All right. All right. Take Thanks. care. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you know someone who's relocated for retirement and wishes to share their story with us, please reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. Our email address is gg at retirethere.com. Our website is retirethere.com. And you may follow us on Twitter at retirethere underscore. Now, if you've liked our show, please subscribe and rate it in Apple Podcasts. In the meantime, be well. Be well.